0: From Relay FM, this is Inquisitive, episode twenty-four. Today's show is brought to you by Lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts for a ten-day free trial. Visit Lynda.com/slash Inquisitive and Campaign Monitor, helping you send beautiful emails and get better results. My name is Mike Curley, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Jim Kudol. Hi, Jim. How are you?
1: Hi, right, Mike. How are you doing?
0: I'm very well. Thanks so much for being here today. My pleasure. Jim, what do you like to be known for these days?
1: Oh, geez, I don't know. Um, you know, the the company Field Notes that we started has uh, really started to expand. So despite what I may or may not want to be known as, I think we're, Kudal Partners is starting to be best known as the company behind Field Notes. Um, it's not a bad thing, but it's uh, things have been going pretty well. Fourth quarter was pretty crazy so
0: because i guess it's just a shift for you right because i guess for a while you were known and as the ad guy at the deck right that was kind of what kudal partners was all about yeah
1: well i mean i think we've gone through various things originally we were known as a, a sort of a design firm ad agency and then for a while we were known for photoshop tennis and then layer tennis and then we were known for a company called The Show, which we don't have anymore. And then we were known for The Deck and, and then Field Notes. So, um, yeah, but, you know, we it's nice to have more than one thing going at a time. It keeps things interesting. Um, and our challenge lately has been um, managing the growth of the Field Notes brand and uh, trying to stay true to um, what is Field Notes in the face of... Uh, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of orders and a lot of distribution and uh, turning it into an actual sort of real company. So I noticed in your sponsors today, you have lynda.com and Campaign Monitor. Um, Aaron, our, Aaron Draplin, our partner in Field Notes, uh, did a, a film, a video for Lynda about how to make a logo. And uh, it was
0: beautiful really popular too yeah. so it
1: was like really awesome um i just thought i'd bring that up i think it's been viewed zillions of times and uh it's been good for Aaron and uh, tangentially good for field notes because of course you got a big plug in there for field notes and then campaign monitor is a product that uh we've been using for years and years and uh um, it 's a it 's a very important tool in our arsenal for marketing field notes so anyhow there 's a little shilling for your clients i don 't even
0: think I need to do the ads now <laughs> <laughs> you you 've taken care of it for me Excellent. yeah that i've i've put that uh the because the aaron draplin video was on um they put Limda put it on vimeo as well so kind of anyone could watch it and mm-hmm. i believe i'd seen him say it had been seen over like a million times now or something like that which is yeah. incredible but worth it if you haven't yeah. seen the video you should watch it because yeah, uh, aaron is a very interesting character anyway um and so that coupled with his awesome skills it's a it's a really fun video
1: i think most people know it but uh, Field Notes was started by myself and Aaron, so we are partners in Field Notes. And Aaron is uh, uh, Aaron's a force of nature is what he is. He uh, is an amazing designer with a, a keen eye and uh, and a very creative thinker and a uh, you know a tireless speaker. He's all over the country, all over the world, giving his presentations and. Um, about design in general, and American design specifically, and uh, you know, bringing the Field Notes word to the people. So, so.
0: how does mm-hmm. how does the partnership work? Like, how what is the breakdown in Field Notes? What what do mm-hmm. you and Aaron the, do both do? Uh,
1: Aaron and I uh, generally head up the entire thing, from um, the creating new editions and um, making big decisions uh, about the business, but primarily. Uh, Uh, The distribution and marketing and production takes place here in Chicago. We've got a team here that works on that. Um, Aaron is an essential part of the creative process. And uh, when we get really slammed, he's a big part of the production process as well. But um, I guess you would say that um, Aaron and I are creative directors on the project. And then Kudal Partners uh, handles the sort of day-to-day business dealing with the uh, wholesale accounts and distributors and printers and shipping and logistics
0: so, 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 um, so I want to come back to, to field notes a little bit a little bit later on um to talk about that in in some more detail but there was something that you, you mentioned um, before before we started today which is you want to talk about a, a conference you've been to called OrdCamp. camp
1: Yeah, uh, I think it was a seventh year. WordCamp is an unconference here in Chicago, and for those who don't know what an unconference is, it's a conference in which there's no agenda for speaking until the conference begins, and then a blank slate of available slots for sessions or presentations is put up on the wall, and people just put up something they want to talk about in a a given time period in a given room, and Uh, People kind of vote with stickers um, to show their interest in the ideas, and the conference just goes forward. And it's really interesting, Um, uneven, uh, which is awesome, uh, and occasionally uh, really enlightening. And people talk about everything from uh bourbons to barbecue to uh high-tech subjects to hobbies uh there are people who deal with uh, 3d printing and all that sort of stuff it's a very interesting concept um for a conference and uh, i had gone to it in the past and had never spoken at it kind of a little bit intimidated because i never really felt like i could find a subject that would be kind of the right thing and enjoyed going to other people's sessions, uh, and so didn't think about it. But then this year, one of the organizers um, said to me, you should do a session, and I was like, well, I don't really know what to do it about. And he said, you should do a session about something that you know how to do that most people don't know how to do. And then you can tie it into design or creativity or business if you want. So I thought about that, and uh, I did a session about how to read the racing form. I come from a long line of horse players and uh, and I've always considered the daily racing form in the United States and I'm sure there's a British equivalent, I don't know what it's called, um, as a really interesting example of information design um, because there it's jam-packed with information about the past performances of the horses in a sort of, to the layman, unintelligible series of numbers and characters. But once you decode the uh, way that the racing form's past performances are structured, it reveals a rich uh, portrait of individual races and horses' capabilities. So I called the session um, How to Read the Racing Form or uh, Data as Structure. <laughs> and uh, had a lot of people show up for it, and uh, we had a lot of fun going through the form and looking at it as a typographic and visual example for information display and Then we went on to the handicapping a little bit about you know trying to decide which horse is likely to win a race and um, The race I used for exam for for an example was a race at Gulfstream Park. The same day as my session in fact the race was scheduled to start just as my session was ending it was uh the holy bull stakes which is one of the first kentucky derby prep races of the year and together we sort of handicapped the race by looking at the horses that were in it and um we chose who we thought would win and who would finish second and third and lo and behold 10 minutes after the session um, the race went off and finished exactly the way that we had predicted it, so i 'm a little concerned that I made it seem a little too easy <laughs> <laughs> for, for for the uh, for people who hadn 't been horse players but um i you know it was it was really it was really fun session It's really interesting and um fun to i love to talk about field notes in the deck and about player tennis and about the things that we do and creativity and <laughs> You know, starting your own thing and all of that, and I'm asked to talk about it frequently. But it was really nice to be able to talk to some about something that um, I'm um, interested and knowledgeable, uh, knowledgeable about that really has absolutely nothing to do with uh, 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 Kudal Partners or the businesses that we run. So, anyhow, that was last weekend. It was a ton of fun.
0: How do you think that stuff like? if you have a passion for information design, how how do you think that that kind of thing permeates for the rest of the stuff that you do? Do you think that there are links there?
1: Um, I suppose so. I mean, I think it might even be as simple as my, you know, the horse racing thing sort of was a family, family thing. We would go out to the track a couple of times a year. So I was sort of um, imbued with that from a young age. But if I step away from that and look at, For example, the daily racing form as an example of uh, data as structure and information design. And I also look at maybe what we're doing with field notes. I see that both of them sort of have a relationship to sort of vintage American print um, design and aesthetics. Um, The racing form is definitely a, the printed racing form is definitely a thing from another age. And I sort of feel like field notes, are things from another age too? an age of, um, um, maybe more simplicity and, um, a lack of ornamentation, I think is true of both of those. So maybe the information design part of it, not so much, but I think the sort of aesthetic part of the presentation of, uh, information in a uncluttered and honest way probably connects the two things.
0: I think that the, the idea of the the way that field notes are designed with that with that style is is interesting because obviously it's easy to 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 point to and, and say it's it's Americana, you know, but it it still appeals to people outside of the United States, and I think it's it's m- maybe more just the simplicity of the design and the the freshness and the clarity of it. You don't you don't kind of get that design anywhere else, right. So it, it is kind of interesting because I think if it was all american then it might not be as popular say with people like me because i I don't have like the 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 fundamental cultural knowledge and background to to pick it up
1: yeah i i think that is true and I, i think the other part of it is that the notebooks themselves the memo books themselves are ultimately very very practical they're they're not pretentious. You don't need to write, maybe you and I have even talked about this in the past, you, you don't feel obligated to write a sonnet when you make a note in a field notes. You can uh, just write milk, butter, eggs, vodka, you know, write your shopping list or whatever it is. Um, and I think the design um, is practical as well. And so I think it's actually, you know, the design of the product is true to the use of the product. Um uh, and, and, maybe that's, you know, that's, that's true of, hadn't thought about this, but prob- probably true of the information design of the daily racing form as well. So, um, you know, there's a lot of room for experimentation with field notes As you know, we've done 25, um, seasonal editions. Now our last one, the ambition was the ambition edition. And, uh, we've done 25, every three, approximately every three months, we've done a new edition. And many of them are quite different from the others, either in terms of printing processes or colors or paper choices or thematic elements. And, um, uh, but all of those things that make them completely different are united by the fact that the design itself doesn't really change you know it's more about making the thing not making it making versions making versions of the thing not making new things if that makes sense yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean I'm interested in, in this I'm I'm kind of going all over the place now which is which is good That's uh, <laughs> the the colors editions so for for kind of the un, un uninitiated the field notes notebook brand that, that you create you have seasonal colors editions and basically every season so four a year you create a limited edition uh, set of, of of notebooks. These are available to people who subscribe, and you receive them automatically. Or there are always some that you can purchase as well. But they they all sell out um, practically before the next version. And in in the past, they've been they've they've gone from just different colors to different types of paper. But more recently, I think maybe in the last twelve months, you guys have become a lot more ambitious. Um, mm-hmm. You made notebooks with the covers made of real wood um you completely changed the format for for the first time so going from the smaller book to a larger book um you created a pack where you had no idea what they were going to look like until you opened them which again was very different because a lot of people i think buy field notes because of they see the design why are you pushing it so far now
1: well i think we we are a, the the answer is that we are finally able to because the Popularity of the brand has made the print runs bigger, which allows us to be more ambitious because a larger print run drives down the per unit cost. So we can do things that are more ambitious, more expensive, and more time consuming because we can afford to do them. Is the simple, practical answer. Um, the other answer is um, we keep waiting for the day when we don't have an idea for the next one and so far that luckily knock on wood that day hasn't come. And so we feel like we are setting ourselves. We need to continually sort of outdo ourselves in a way. And at the same time, you know, stay true to what field notes is about. So, um, a good example is the ambition edition, which unlike the wood edition or the expedition edition, which was made out of synthetic paper or some of those, um, I think you'd agree is a relatively traditional field notes. It's made on French paper. It's got, um, some embossing and some metallic type on it. But, um, thing, one of the things that makes it different is that the pages are gilded, which means, um, much like a classic Bible, the edges of the paper are rimmed in gold. And, um, it was so much fun. For Once we had the idea to do it, we figured we had to do it. And it was quite expensive and time-consuming, but we figured the 25th edition, we should really push it a little bit. And we found there is only one company left in America that's doing that. It's called uh, no Liberty, yeah, Liberty Book and Bible in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we contracted for them to do it. And um, pretty much they do only Bibles. And then here comes Field Notes with, you know, Whatever it was, 25,000 3 packs. Uh, and then we got to make a film about that, you know, and it's an interesting process and interesting to watch happen in the film. So I love it when we can come up with something totally new by looking totally backwards, and that was a good example of it. So So And um, the next the yeah. next one is totally that, but I can't talk about
0: it. I'm excited to see you. <laughs> you know you get me like that. Um it's right. the uh, are these ideas then, now that you're, you're able to do these, these bolder ideas, are, they, are these things you'd always wanted to do or are they still new ideas that are happening?
1: Some of each. We have a sort of a book full of potential ideas. Um, but we don't, like, at the moment we are in production for the spring edition and starting production for the summer edition, we sort of know what we may do for fall, we don't have any idea what we're going to do for winter. And then we've got a very ambitious idea that's going to take us probably a year to do. So that would be maybe a year from the spring or a year from the summer. And um, one of those ideas, we've all, one of the ideas that are in production now, we've always wanted to do when we were finally able to do it. The other one was brand new. There's a completely new idea that just came out of left field. Um, and so. You know, we keep a list of ideas. We keep, you know, there is something about the fact of having an idea and filing it away makes that idea less attractive than the new idea. <laughs> so yeah. we, we sort of have to balance that. Um So yeah, it's a little bit of each and sometimes it comes, you know, to be really honest, sometimes the idea for the notebooks comes from an idea for the marketing, which is one advantage of having complete control of the brand, not only the marketing materials for it or not only just the production and creation, but having that all together, being in control of all of that. Sort of a a good example about that is the fire spotter edition from a couple of falls ago. A beautiful uh, red uh, blind embossed edition sort of as an um, kind of honoring a a lost uh, profession in America, which are people who would um, spend the summer in fire towers keeping uh, an eye on um, the national forests and reporting um, when fires start so they could be... um, uh, so they wouldn't get out of hand. And in that case, um, actually, Steve here, I think it was, had, I don't know where he got the idea, but he had started looking into um, north central Wisconsin's national Forest and the fact that some of these 1920s and 1930s fire towers, while they were no longer being used because satellites and other things do a better job of it now, were still there. And he wanted to go visit one. And we you know, we figured, well, wouldn't it be great to visit this fire tower in the middle of the Nicolette National Forest in the fall when all the colors were changing? And the next thing you know is we've got this idea for a movie. Now we really want to make the movie. And maybe we'll make it um, on our own as just something fun. Or even better, let's make a Field Notes Colors Edition that is in the theme of this film we want to make. Um, and so we had the ability to do that. So sometimes we have the idea for the books and then the marketing materials come from there. And occasionally we have the idea of the marketing materials and create a book to go along with that. So that, that flexibility gives us a lot of room to do a lot of different things. And, um, it makes it, um, you know, there's so many possibilities then that it makes it sort of, uh, uh, a, a lot of fun and we <clears throat> we like nothing better than to dive into a subject that we know nothing about and learn as much as we can about it That's sort of like the it, we love to make the books and we love when they're sold and we love to make the movies and we love when people watch them and tweet about them and all of that but I would say that if you ask people here who work on the production of the Field Notes the most interesting thing is to find a subject that we are interested in but don't know very much about it and dive deep into it and really find out um, things about it, like this gilding process, or the uh, process from um, uh, traveling salesman was a fun addition that we did. We always thought the idea of these, essentially, uh, this American hero, this guy who would go house to house and town to town selling encyclopedias or selling uh, brushes or seed corn or whatever it was, that um, that was sort of a romantic notion, but we didn't really know much about it, um, and we spent a couple of months doing nothing but finding experts on the history of uh, American traveling salesman and getting information from them and reading books. And like, it's really useless information, but super interesting, at least for us. So that that's the great satisfaction. I mean, we love that the business is successful and that we can do this for a living cause it's so much fun. But, um, you know, that finding out, finding out cool stuff about cool stuff is really satisfying.
0: So. so I I always loved the uh, the Fire Spotter, but I came to Field Notes late, um, hmm. later than that edition, so I was never able to to find one. And then a couple of days ago, a listener of the Pen Addict sent me one, so ah. I have a single, and she included the tattoo.
1: Very so, nice. So you have to find the right time to wear that.
0: Yeah. So that that so that that's the other thing. Like you guys include little extras. So in the Fire Spotter edition, there was a a, a tatley. Uh, temporary tattoo that you had made um yeah. do these do the, the, the little additions that you sometimes Oof. include do they come after the ideas or do they come before the ideas like you think oh we want to send out this like a, a funny little thing and, and then maybe a book comes from that or do they tend to come like you have the idea for the book and then there's this little extra that you decide that goes with it
1: um so it's i get once again the answer is sometimes yes and sometimes no <laughs> um uh, something like National Crop was the addition of the clamshell box and the patch and poster were all sort of part of the idea. But um, we did one called um, Drink Local, which uh, featured six, two different three-packs, each book representing a style of uh, craft beer. So the, the um, Amber Ale notebook was uh, deep red and had information about um, – uh, all of the, um, you know, what what goes into making an amber red, etc. And we had decided right from the beginning that we would do letterpress posters to go, I mean, letterpress coasters, uh, beer coasters to go along with them. But as we were doing it, Brian here came up with this crazy idea to make a six-pack holder um, <laughs> for the notebooks, and um, it kind of pushed the budget a little bit. And so we actually did that as a sub- subscriber-only Exclusive. So sometimes the sticker or the pins or whatever it is comes with the edition. And sometimes it only comes with the edition if you're a subscriber. So it's um, a little bit of each. Um, the Ambition Edition didn't really come with anything. There was a special bookmark in there for the subscribers. But the, uh, the books themselves were – some of it is is, is um, determined um, by price. The Ambition Edition was very expensive to make. And so um, – our margins on the book were much lower than usual, so we couldn't really afford to in- include another thing in there. But uh, but
0: the gilding you know. was kind of the gift, and and yeah. that came from the open, like when when you open them and they crack. Yeah, that yeah. was a that, quite a special moment. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and that you know came late to the process. We yeah. had, we were well into production for ambition before we decided that we needed that one sort of. Extra thing, so that was very satisfying that it worked as well as it did, and it was it was difficult, difficult, and time consuming to get, and expensive to get it done, but really worth it. And uh, I think the film came out beautifully too about about the process. So
0: I'm not done talking about field notes yet, but let me take our first break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, feel free. This week's episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by lynda.com. lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business. These courses are taught by experts. New courses are being added to the site all of the time. They are produced at the highest quality. lynda.com can help you invest in a new hobby, find a new job and the skills that you'll need for it, or maybe just set some new goals or achieve something you've always wanted to achieve. With Lynda.com, you'll get unlimited access to every single course that they make. You'll be able to view them on your laptop, desktop, or tablet or mobile device with their apps for iOS and Android. Jim mentioned earlier the course that um, on the video that that Aaron Draplin made with with lynda.com, and that's a great example of the great production quality and some of the really interesting things that these guys do. We're talking about design and things like that today. They have great courses on Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Photoshop, and these courses are taught by the people at Adobe. Or maybe if you're just interested in design in general, there are some great documentaries, uh, like a documentary called Helvetica, which is all about the Helvetica font. That is on lynda.com and you can watch it right there That's part of the trilogy of documentaries from Gary Hustwit um, which also includes Objectified and Urbanized which are really really great if you're interested in design and these are all on lynda.com. So do something for yourself right now and go sign up for a free 10-day trial to lynda.com by visiting lynda.com slash inquisitive. I'm sure that you're going to learn something awesome and something new. Thank you so much lynda.com for supporting this show and Relay FM. Amen. So, um, you mentioned that kind of like the the customer base is growing for Field Notes, and and that's enabling you to do more. Do you have any kind of feel as to, to how and why the customer base has grown?
1: Um, well, I mean, I think generally speaking, the word has got out more and more. Like when we started it, the people who were buying. Field notes were people who knew of us and knew of Aaron and were in true sort of design and sort of uh, that. And then that circle got a little bit bigger, those people, and we got managed to get the product into various stores and, um, both uh, design stores and stationary stores, but more importantly, into the more lifestyle stores like men's fashion stores and bait shops and liquor stores and uh, all kinds of crazy places, museum shops. And um, I'm not, you know, I think it just, the more distribution we get and the more they're out there for people to see, um, the more people give them a try. Um, It's a, still a pretty good value we've never changed the price it's still 995 for three of them so it's not you know you don't have to take a big chance to uh see if you like them um i you know we've always believed in them and the growth has been pretty steady like we from the very beginning in 2007 to now um for example pretty much each edition has done better than the edition before it and all the in all the meantime our regular line of products have been selling strongly um, lately the wholesale part of the business has really started to take off there are shops all over the world i think we're in 17 or 1800 retail locations all over the world now and that's been a great way to sell product but also A great way to get our product out in front of people Um, so yeah you know I I guess something sort of interesting about the way this whole thing has grown is uh, when we started the subscription part of it we didn't really know what we were doing we sort of were like well maybe people would want to buy these ahead of time and sort of reserve their spot in line but what we didn't realize we were doing was sort of launching our own Kickstarter what we're actually doing was allow- allowing ourselves a way to generate income on future additions that would help us fund the production, which was really great for us because we, and still is because we don't need to borrow money for the bank to build a product that we hope is going to sell. We have money from people who have subscribed to us who trust us to deliver them for really solid editions. Mm-hmm. And not only do it, are we sort of pre-funded for some of that production, but we've also built in a number of sales yeah. because we know that you know if there's what however many thousands of subscribers that we have to deliver that many three packs as part of our uh, limited edition. So that, you know, um, I think a little bit of serendipity when we first started it, but it didn't take long for us to realize that this, um, while we sell many, 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 many more three packs individually, either through stores or directly online or through various websites that carry us, um, um, many more, Sell them on an individual basis. The subscribers are the heart of the business in many, in, in, in a large sense, and they also tend to be our greatest sort of salespeople. You yeah. know, and so like the collectors. Like today, I don't even know if I should say this. Did you see this thing on eBay today?
0: Yeah, I was. I, I wanted to talk to you about this anyway. <laughs> so deal with this. I let, don't even know. Like, let me well, set this up so All right. people people may know uh, that I. I have a great interest in in field notes, and and that comes out in our show and relay thing called the Pen Addict, and and we talk about field notes all the time, and and there is a
1: and the Pen uh, Addict, I think, is part of why we've grown too. So there, oh, thanks for thanks for that. <laughs> and uh, there's there's
0: there's there's a great community around field notes. There are groups like there's a there's a Facebook group called Field Nuts, which is really good for this stuff as well. And over the time that we've done the show, we've seen a sort of an increase in in collectors in the collectors and 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 i think it's being mobilized by these groups so they're kind of like creating the the, the collection the collectionist or something you know in 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 all of this um so what's and happening? and let,
1: let me say we've had we had this completely took us by surprise we have no hand in any of building this collecting aesthetic we didn't we never expected it to happen and are constantly amazed by the way that it goes
0: so yeah because it's it's kind of like you can see how it happens but it was also kind of like because you created limited you created limited you create sorry limited editions but it doesn't necessarily mean that you were expecting that uh people would want to really collect them in a Mm -hmm. in a in a very strong way uh and this this comes through there's lots of trading and stuff like that which is which is the maybe the nicer part of it but then then there's the eBay stuff. Um and there is some of the more rare books go fetch for quite uh, quite high prices on eBay. And, and as we're recording this today, there has been one uh one eBay auction which is kind of kind of making the rounds a little bit, which is um particularly uh interesting. So <laughs> it's of it's of is Butcher Blue the first? No, it's second. The second,
1: but it is the rarest, and I can I can tell the story of why that is. But it is by far for the completest. It is the holy grail, and and that, and that is because when we printed Butcher Orange, which was our first seasonal edition, we printed butcher blue at exactly the same time. We did them in one print run thinking that we would be smart. So we would have this one for this season and then the one for the next season. At the same time, we started the subscription program. And so I believe if you give me one second to look it up, it was a vid, they were very short runs to begin with. And Hold on, let
0: me go back. There was 1,500 books Right, there was 1,500
1: 1500 books, which means 500 three-packs. And so Butcher Orange sold out really quickly, and a bunch of subscriptions got sold. And when we put Butcher Blue up for sale, we forgot about the subscribers, and it sold out immediately. So... But Butcher, Butcher Orange, there really were 500 three-packs to sell. But what, by the time Butcher Blue came out, subscri- sub- sub- subtracting the subscribers, there was only a few hundred of them at all to be available. So um, the truth is that we at Kudol Partners Midwest only have two three-packs of it. And Aaron's got two three-packs of it. And wow. that's it. And we have a, little, a few more of the orange. So in any case, to get to the punchline of the story, somebody put one of those up on eBay today and listed it at $980 for a nine, $9.95 3 pack of notebooks. So that doesn't mean somebody's going to pay that for it, but someone will they pay listed it. Listed it. I don't know. We'll someone see.
0: will pay it. The there, there, f- are, there are 30 people currently watching this auction. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to bid, but uh, that's the buy-it-now price. Um, right. uh, I guess it's also the, the bidding price, but I, I genuinely believe someone will buy this because uh, this is sealed. This is a sealed pack. Yeah. I've never seen this before.
1: Um, I wonder how many Butcher Blues, and to a lesser extent um, Butcher Orange, and even Grass-Stain Green and McElroy, The the first four. I wonder how many of those are in the hands of people who have any idea that they are part of a larger family of notebooks and that there's any collectability to them at all.
0: See, that's one of the interesting things that I believe has happened, um, is that people that had no idea are now seeing this somehow. Like, that's how this has come about. Um, like, someone has been sitting on this, and it, it maybe wasn't that important to them, which is why they never opened it in the first place. And mm-hmm. now they're selling it for for $950. They didn't think, oh, this would be a... A big deal, maybe I don't know, but it's interesting to see uh, this this kind of price, and it's also like there's there's some there's a lot of interesting stuff around how the these ones are treated. So like the first two, the butcher blue and the butcher orange, like recently my my co-host Brad he uh, he started using a butcher orange, yay, which is like one of that's insane because he could have made an easy fifty to sixty dollars from that one single. Um, but he decided to use it, uh, which there are a lot of upset people. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though, you know, it's like the, it's funny.
1: I, yeah, I, When we did the unexposed edition, which was just two editions ago, in which the, you would receive three out of six colors, but you would have no idea what three colors you would receive, nor did we have any idea what three colors we sent you because they were in a, a blind box we never we didn't really think about it when we were making it, but it kind of upset the collecting community because so many of the people like to save them unopened mm-hmm. with the shrink wrap unopened, and it was difficult for them to save the unexposed edition because they didn't know what they were saving. <laughs> so, I, like, I, it never occurred to me. I remember, I remember the very first time we got kind of a whiff of this collecting completest sort of community. And I think it was like around when we were doing it would have been like the 6th or 7th one, like right 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 around the packet of sunshine or Raven's Wing, somewhere in there, and a guy from Italy would write to Michelle at our office every time we released an edition and make sure that he would um, get them shipped some special way to him. And Michelle was curious why he didn't just buy them online and why he always wrote to her. And he said that he was a completist. And we all kind of laughed at that. Like, what Like what did that mean, like a completist? That he had to have one of everything. And that was the first time we got a kind of an indication that people might want to, um, you know, collect these in all of their variations. Um, I will say that the collecting part of field notes is probably a very small percentage of the total sales. Field notes are practical and are used for notes every day, but it is uh, entertaining to watch and it never ceases to amaze us. You know, like our first edition was 500 books or, I mean, 500 three packs or 1,500 books And Ambition Edition, which we just did, was 90,000 books or 30,000 three-packs. So you could see we've sort of come. And it will sell out um, relatively quickly. In fact, Unexposed is almost sold out. So Occasionally, one of them becomes a regular, not very often, but once in a while, a Limited Edition becomes an Unlimited Edition. Um, The two primary examples of that are the Expedition Edition, the, the Bulletproof and Waterproof and Everything Proof um uh, synthetic edition that was released in the winter of 2012 and um, a couple of summers earlier we did the county fair edition in 2010 in which there are there is one three there is a notebook for every state in the United States and those have become just regular parts of our um, our uh, regular items in our, In our line. And generally, one of those comes along maybe every year or every year and a half. It sort of depends.
0: I would like to just um, put a vote in for the format of arts and sciences. Yes, that's just my my vote is I love that size so much. I take I have I'm using one right now. With every episode, I take notes about the show for editing purposes, and I, and Arts and Sciences is perfect for that. I'm just saying, I, you don't okay. have to answer me. I just want you to know that I love now, that edition I, so much, and, and I don't and want it to go away.
1: Right, and we should probably just do a craft version of that. I, and I'll be I happy wonder, that. Yeah. like, I the the product from Field Notes that I personally use more than anything else are the stenos. I use I go through a steno every three weeks. On my desk and it never leaves my desk. But for me that size, which I think it's almost exactly the same size as arts of sciences, but the, I, the way that that lays flat with the spiral bind on the top for me works really perfectly for my sort of running notes about my life and work. Mm-hmm. Um, so interesting arts and sciences, which I like as well. I don't find myself, I don't have a spot in my workflow for that and i don't know it's the double
0: page i love the double page
1: yeah yeah that's true like the spread yeah
0: (laughs) i wonder if anybody's listening at this point like we're just
1: really going brad brad is listening brad is listening and probably brian from my office is. (laughs) except actually he is out at a press check so he can't be
0: listening if it's live so so i want to let's move away from field notes Uh, and i want to talk to you about advertising um because this is obviously something that that you guys do uh but considering we're taking a a change in the show like a we're turning a corner. I wanna wanna take I know, a quick
1: break. A good time for a break. Yeah. Perfect. Speaking of speaking of advertising.
0: Speaking of advertising, this week's episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by our friends at Campaign Monitor. They are a great supporter of Inquisitive, and Campaign Monitor make it easy to design, create, send, and optimize your email campaigns quickly and easily. One of the best things about Campaign Monitor is their easy to use builder of email templates called Canvas. You can create beautiful looking email newsletters that look fantastic everywhere on mobile devices, on laptops on tablets on desktops this is because they think about responsive design everything looks fantastic on all screen sizes they have beautiful typography they have automatic image resizing so your images are going to look great everywhere you can change all the colors, you can add your logo in and all that sort of stuff into Canvas, and it's going to look amazing everywhere. They have great tools as well at Campaign Monitor. They they have all the stuff that you'll need to make sure that your campaigns are effective. Like they have A, B subject line testing. So you can send out, say you have uh, an email going to 100,000 people, you can send out 10,000 on day one, split it in half, see which subject line performs best and then send out the rest. They have, uh, if you have a blog and you have an RSS feed, you can send that out as an email campaign. So you can do RSS to email. So maybe people want to subscribe and get your your great posts via email instead of via RSS or any other way you can do all of that. It's a really great tool, and you can sign up for a free account right now at campaignmonitor.com. You can just go in, play around, and I know that you're going to love it. Thank you so much to Campaign Monitor for continuing to support Inquisitive. They're a great believer of what we're doing. Thank you so much for helping us out.
1: And uh, endorsed by Field Notes brand and Kudal Partners as well. We use it every day.
0: Can't get any better than that. Nope. So obviously you are involved um, in advertising with Deck and and people – I think everybody listening to this show will have seen a deck ad. They just will have seen one because yep. it just even makes if sense. they don't know it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't know it, you've seen it, and and you've also seen many people imitate. Uh, is what I will say. <laughs> you don't have to say anything yep. about that. But that format that you guys created, the little, the tiny little image. What's the what is the dimensions of that image? Uh, it's 120 by 90 pixels, yep. or 240
1: by 180 for a retina image, and about 80 characters of text.
0: So that is uh, a really deck ads uh, and and the movement that that pushed was is is very positive I think for a, for a lot of websites because it's it's beautiful advertising that is curated for a specific reason it looks good fits with the overall theme that people are trying to create that you guys are trying to create with the deck and the sites that live within it um, and it stops from having like shoot the monkey banner ads with flash animation my understanding uh, please correct me if I'm wrong every deck every website that is part of the deck the only advertising on the page will be deck advertising uh, in image form anyway
1: correct Uh, except for things that the site advertises of its own for example kudal.com carries the deck ad but we don't restrict kudal.com from talking about field notes because it's one of our things other than that Yeah, And it's the image size. We did create the entire concept Um, and it's not just the image size and uh, that but also the entire concept of ganging together a number of sites and selling the advertising in what we call uh, monthly slots. So that first of all you would only see one ad on any page view and when you buy a slot in the deck Um, there are 33 of of them available every month. And when you buy one, what you are buying essentially is 3% of all the impressions across all the sites and services in the network for a calendar month. So we're not selling selling based on CPM. Obviously, traffic is important and advertisers are looking for impressions, but the pricing is based on a monthly slot. And um, uh, it's a very lo-fi concept, but when we started it, low these many years ago it was revolutionary because the display advertising world was going exactly the other way that was how many ads can we jam on the page and um, selling based on CPM is in many ways a race to the bottom um, and so sites were forced to do things like break articles up into multiple pages so that they could generate multiple page views for ads or do uh, stupid slideshows that um There's no reason to do a slideshow only to have people click through so they could sell more ads. Um, We are certainly cognizant of the number of impressions that we serve on our various sites and services and our advertisers are as well. But that's not the metric by which we uh, either a sell um, the ad slots or b compensate uh, the affiliates. And aside from being very careful about the affiliates that we uh, bring in to to the deck with us, we're equally as careful about the advertisements that we accept. Um, Since the network is relatively low fi and has a relatively low overhead um, and generates um, lots of impressions, somewhere around 100 million impressions a month, there are plenty of advertisers who would like to buy the eyeballs on the deck simply for buying the eyeballs, and um, we don't accept ads for things that aren't relevant to our audience or for companies or services that we don't feel um, represent um, the A, taste level of the deck, or B, relevance or quality of uh, advertiser that um, that that we demand. So um, all of that is what was really the the creation of this concept, this kind of an ad network, the serving a single ad, selling the ads as a percentage of a total, um, being very careful about the affiliates that are selected and equally careful about the advertisers that are accepted. So um, it's a long time ago now when we started it and lots of other people have basically copied our business model. More power to them, I guess. Um, but I think it's fairly safe to say that the deck is still the biggest... And the best and out of those group. And the dirty little secret for the deck is that for the proper advertiser, it is a very powerful and efficient way to reach a specific audience. And so it works for the advertiser. It works for the publishers who don't have to junk up their um, pages with a bunch of various different ads, um, and also, uh, know that the ads will be curated. And, uh, it also works for the uh, readers of these sites because not only are we supporting sites that they want to continue, but, um, generally speaking, the ads are, uh, about, um, good companies and good services that they are in fact interested in. So we, you know, We see, uh, one of my favorite examples is one of our affiliates, uh, this is a while ago now, but we run the the ads on Twitterific from Icon Factory, and they went to a pay model in which you could pay to get rid, you could get various new features, and one of the features that you would get to sort of upgrade was to take the ads out of the program, uh, out of the app, and they got mails that said, we're all in for the upgrade, but we want you to leave the ads, which is sort of a surprising sort of results so so the deck just uh, goes along Um, mcsweeney's internet tendency has joined us relatively recently uh, which is a nice ad for us it's sort of the deck sites are divided kind of into two general categories one is more technical design and developer and nerdy side and the other side is sort of to borrow Jason Kotke's phrase, sort of liberal arts 2.0. So those sites are like the Morning News and McSweeney's and Kotke over on that side. And, and this isn't happiness. And then on the other side, you have sites like um, Daring Fireball and Dribble and Designspiration and various other sites. So, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what the deck is. And um, it is interesting that our two main businesses are um, completely on opposite sides of the Divide between digital and analog because the deck is entirely and completely and totally digital, and Field Notes is um, stridently and deliciously analog, and, and 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 never the twain shall meet, you know. So, it's sort of interesting.
0: Uh, the one of the things about the deck, and and you know, you mentioned about like um, how people have kind of borrowed from your business model. Um I think one of the interesting things that that's happened is your the the deck I see is very principled. Um and and there are, there are strong principles in in what you will allow uh to be a part of the deck like the community of the deck like the people within it mm-hmm. and the advertisers that that are selling their their wares. Mm-hmm. Um those principles I think reach quite far into advertising on the internet. Um, like a lot of the things that that you have said, uh, as the things that you would do, and and the things that you guys think about at the deck is very similar to how we build our advertising here at Relay. And and I know that these principles have come from, uh, and the, the things that we try and stick to have come from the ideas that I believe that you guys uh, pioneered and came up with. And and it's it's it seems stuff that's quite simple, but. I think there had to be somebody that did it um to make sense to for others to 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 also think about things that way like the idea of only accepting ads from people that you believe are right and turning down ads for those that you don't I mean we we I turn down ads for for relay if I if I think that the the net, the posit the sort of the net effect is a negative feeling for the listener like yeah. if if the, if the ad doesn't fit or it just is weird uh, then we will say no. And and I know that that for us has come from some of the things that you guys think about. Do you consider the deck to be strongly principled or are they just your principles?
1: Yeah, no, it, it is. And it's gratifying to hear that as well. And to really investigate how that change made, we sort of have to look backwards because when the deck started, it was just uh, myself and signals versus noise from 37 signals Basecamp, and a list apart Jeffrey Zeldman and a list apart. And, um, at that time, it seems ridiculous to think about it a little bit. Now, um, people who are running blogs for left of a better word, wouldn't carry ads on principle or their readers would think that they were selling out if they accepted or carried ads and we saw very much at the time that there was an opportunity and this and we came from the other side of it at that time we were selling we had a company called Jewel Boxing, which we were, we were selling a really sweet way to do a, a short run of custom DVD and CD cases. And we found it um, well nigh impossible to buy an ad schedule that reached the people that we wanted to reach. And so we saw from the other, and, and also published Kudal.com at the time. And we saw from the other side that there maybe there was a third way. That the two ways were, A, you are above Uh, You're like the senator's wife. You were above um, anything by not carrying any advertising and just going on there, or you were a complete... Sell out by taking advertising, and that maybe there was a third way a way in which we could be principled about the ads we accepted and allow people like Jason Kotke and John Gruber, who were original, very soon to follow those three original members of the deck, and allow them to continue to do the work that is so important to so many people and actually get paid for it in a way that didn't feel Icky it didn't feel like they were selling out and so um you know now it doesn't seem so odd you know it uh, you know, maybe but then it was new and um our feeling is that the principles of the deck are the thing that make it work and so we have we know very well when we see an ad whether we're going to accept it or not most of the times there's no Consideration. We don't even have to talk about it. You just see it and you're like, no, that's not a deck ad. Or, yes, that is a deck ad. Or, that may be a deck ad, but let me check out the product a little bit further. Let me talk to somebody who uses it or let me read some reviews of it. Um, But in the case where we have an ad that is borderline, let's say, um, let's say an ad where we're like, well, here's a good example. We had one, I won't mention anybody's names, but we had a dating service that wanted to use the deck, but it was a relative to things like adult friend finder and other weird e-harmony things, which are on the other end. it was actually a pretty interesting, um, it's no longer around, I don't think, but it was a pretty interesting social media take on dating. And um, we just didn't know like whether that was the kind of thing that we should accept for a deck schedule. So our policy is, is that we draft a, small ad hoc committee of five of the deck affiliates. And we pick five affiliates that we think will have opinions about this particular thing. And we present the case to all five of those affiliates, whoever they are. And those five affiliates are like the emperor at the, um, in Rome, they go thumbs up or thumbs down, whether they want to accept it or not, and their decision holds, no matter what they say. If it's three to two against taking the ad, then we write them back and say, sorry, we can't take the ad. Maybe we can try it again in the, in the future. Or if it's three to two, four, we will take the schedule. And um, we haven't had to do that very often, but it's a really nice kind of a firewall for um, tough decisions because... Um, you know, five of us in the deck are probably smarter than one of us in the deck. So, (laughs) you know, it it, it seems to work out. There was more of that earlier. Lately, there's been less to worry about there. And I think that's because the deck is kind of self-selecting. The companies that buy schedules on the deck are companies that kind of get the deck to begin with. Like, I don't usually have to explain the whole concept of someone who wants to buy a schedule in the deck. They tend to write and say... You know, we we're big fans of the deck. We read a lot of the sites that you carry on. We'd love to see if we can get a schedule up for our new um, app or our new service or whatever. So there's kind of less of the less, and maybe we've turned down enough people that they've stopped asking. That's the other thing, I suppose. But um, we've seen a change, though. You know that you know there's been this world of um, Facebook and Twitter is a different world, and uh, it has. Um, you know, those are walled gardens and those are uh, eating up a lot of people's uh, browsing time online. People are visiting, generally speaking, I think less site specific and spending all their time in somebody else's kitchen. They're spending their whole time in, in Twitter and then they just see the ads that Twitter provides Um, so things are changing so I and you know obviously mobile is a big deal as well so you know what this means for the deck in the future I don't know think business is still good Um, but you know it's not the same web that it was five years ago for sure
0: are there any other trends that you're you're seeing in in advertising online I mean obviously it I am biased in in thinking that podcast advertising is becoming uh, more and more of a business
1: Um, Yes. Yeah, I definitely see that. And um, uh, we did. I thought this was good. Here's one of the ideas that never really worked, but I thought was going to be a good idea is when we did traveling salesman, we decided instead of doing a movie for that or doing a series of photos uh, for that, we did a podcast we found like America's number one expert on traveling salesmen, and we presented a lot of our research and had a long, funny, rollicking conversation with this guy. And we produced uh, a podcast about travel the history of traveling salesmen in America that was very entertaining. And then our idea was we went to um, uh, Gruber and you look nice today and a couple other podcasts, and we said, we want to sponsor your, episode this week or whatever it was but we don't want interstitial advertising what we want you to do is when our turn comes up as a sponsor we want you just to stay say i want you to just say after today's show stay tuned for a special presentation from field notes and then we tacked our 45 minute podcast on the end of those other podcasts so people were completely at their own freedom to listen to as little or as much of it as they wanted. And we thought that was going to be a breakthrough idea in podcasting advertising. And, you know, it didn't really make any waves. <laughs> so, I, don't
0: know. I think that, um, I mean, my two cents on that is, but I think podcast advertising works in, in our little space, uh, because people tend to trust the hosts voices uh, and, and we, that's the reason that we take such care in our advertising um, and the, and the companies that we work with is because we believe that we have that kind of responsibility that if I'm, if I'm speaking the ad, I either use the product or I support the product. And that's why I'm telling you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, And whilst they're not always personal endorsements, because I haven't, as I say, I haven't, I don't necessarily use every product that we talk about but mm-hmm. i believe in the products um and so i i think that they're good so there is there are they tend to be as close to an endorsement as as i can give yeah
1: i mean we sort of you sometimes use the phrase in the deck what that means is we say there is an implied endorsement yeah exactly you that, know that's like way that's saying. sort of the way that we talk about it with the deck it's not you know that and and your listeners mike are not only it's not only your curation of the ads and your quote unquote implied endorsement, but your listeners see listening to those advertisements as a fair price to pay for the value you bring through the podcast. Definitely. Yep. And I, and and I think that is the essential thing. And maybe that's why our idea didn't work because I don't know if it didn't or did, did or didn't work, but it didn't make the waves we thought it would make is that we were essentially posting a long format commercial at the end of other people's podcasts. And that was not even as interesting as it was, it did not carry the same value. It was not the same value proposition like i don't need to listen to this whole thing from field you know what i mean like yep. that that i i'm not i'm not helping mike by listening to this long thing from field notes like that sort of a thing so it's interesting like um we ne- when we introduced font uh, um site by site when we introduced the deck as we were rolling it out at the beginning we always were concerned that um, readers would feel like there had been some violation of trust by their favorite blogs carrying now carrying ads, and there never was. There never was. They were At, the, at that point, people realized, I think, that if you want um, Jason Kotke or Tina at Swiss Miss or John Gruber to be able to devote their time to the blog that you read so frequently and get so much value out of it that it's a small price to pay to... Look at and potentially click on an ad for a product or service that is, by God, interesting to you. You know, I mean, that it's it's it all sounds so simple, (laughs) but um, but and maybe it is simple, you know, and maybe that's why so many people have just taken the idea and used it on their own. But you know. The other benefit of the deck in some way is because we're the first and the oldest and I would say the best and um, most efficient for advertisers is that there is sort of this idea that, you know, it's in this small world of uh, creative bloggers about design and advertising um, and creativity, it is kind of the big leagues that if you're in the deck, then that's sort of a sign of, um, you know, your your status. It's like a badge of honor. Kind of, sort of, yeah. I mean, it's if I said, "Okay, we can't pay you anymore. Will you stay in the deck?" I think the badge of honor would be less subtract. <laughs> but, um, but, but, but generally speaking, you know, the funny thing is, is that from time to time, I am accused of doing nothing but creating an ad network out of my bookmarks, and in fact, that is true. So basically, I took this. I figured I represented pretty well a savvy web browser who is interested, interested. In, interested in design and web development and art direction and creativity. And there probably are a lot of people who like um, the same sorts of things that I like. So like with almost all of our projects at Kudal, um, we are um, driven by the fact that we have discovered over the years that there are a lot of people like us. So if we can do things that we're proud of and that we appreciate, we are going to just take it on faith that there are a lot of people who will um, appreciate it as well.
0: Mr Kudal, I could talk to you for weeks, but we should <laughs> we should probably stop before we end up talking about field notes for 45 minutes again. Right. Right. It, it is always a genuine pleasure to talk to you. Um where can people uh, find what uh, you're up to? Where 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 does Jim Kudal uh, live online? At Kudal
1: on Twitter, c o u d a l. kudal.com is the main site for the company, which usually has links out to various uh things that we have cooking and uh fieldnotesbrand.com is where you find our latest products the ambition edition is currently available well worth it i would say and um it will probably be uh, march when the spring edition is unveiled and um it ought to be it ought to make some noise i think i hope
0: So it's all worth looking out for. I have a bunch of links for you all in the show notes. If you go to relay.fm slash inquisitive slash 24, you will find them there. Thanks again to Linda and Campaign Monitor for helping support this week's show. I am at iMike on Twitter, I-M-Y-K-E, and I'll be back next time. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.
1: Bye now.